This is Mitch Peterson, and you're listening to General Conference Applied. Thank you for joining me for Season 1, Episode 6. Today we will be discussing Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf's April 2023 General Conference Address entitled, Jesus Christ is the Strength of Parents. Now, as you may recall, a couple of weeks ago we began talking about weekly action items, And so last week, at the conclusion of episode five, I committed to watch seven of the How I Hear Him videos, one each day last week, and to write down one thing I learned from each testimony. I actually only watched two videos. I guess two is better than none, but uh, I've shared what I learned from each video in the show notes. And I guess this is just my plug to check out the show notes either before you listen to this episode, so pause and go to the show notes or at the conclusion. All of the quotes, scriptures, ideas that I share, I've basically got in the show notes, and you can access those at any time after listening to this episode. As a reminder, In each of these episodes of General Conference Applied, we are attempting to answer two questions. First, what is the speaker asking me to do? And second, what am I going to do about it? First, I wanted to share my testimony. As he concluded this message, Elder Uchtdorf shared the following, quote, in Heavenly Father's plan, Families' relationships are meant to be eternal. This is why, as a parent, you never give up, even if you are not proud of how things went in the past. With Jesus Christ, the Master Healer and Savior, there can always be a new beginning. He always gives hope. Jesus Christ is the strength of families. Jesus Christ is the strength of youth. Jesus Christ is the strength of parents." I felt a powerful wave of the Spirit rush over me as I read these words this week. I know that these words are true. I testify that Jesus Christ is our strength. He's aware of us. No matter the obstacle in life, Jesus Christ is the answer. I identified the following quote as my most important quote from this talk. Elder Uchtdorf stated, quote, My message to all parents is this. The Lord loves you. He is with you. He stands beside you. He is your strength in guiding your children to make righteous choices. Accept this privilege and responsibility courageously and joyfully. Don't delegate this source of heavenly blessings to anyone else. Within the framework of gospel values and principles, You are the ones to guide your child in the details of daily decisions. Help your children build faith in Jesus Christ, love his gospel and his church, and prepare for a lifetime of righteous choices. I thought, as I contemplated, excuse me, how I might share thoughts on that quote. The idea came to me to share quotes about parenting. As a parent, I'm I'm consistently looking for 
parent-related parent quotes in books and other resources. And so I've obviously accumulated a number of these quotes over time, but I thought that I could share a few with you. And today we are going to be focusing on a few ideas. I mean, obviously, the idea that our Savior Jesus Christ is on our team, that he's cheering for us, he's cheering us on. Also, this idea of allowing our children to make righteous choices, to not force them to, to take action. And in, in this manner, we're becoming like our Heavenly Father, right, who allows us to make choices. Let's never forget what Lucifer's plan was. Lucifer's plan did not have choice. Our Savior Jesus Christ volunteered for our Heavenly Father's plan. His plan had choice. Here are a few powerful quotes about parenting. The first is Elder James E. Faust, and this was from an October 1997 General Conference address entitled, The Weightier Matters of the Law, Judgment, Mercy, and Faith. He said, in the case of children, the responsibility of giving moral guidance rests with the parents. They know the disposition, understanding, and intelligence of each child. Parents spend a lifetime seeking to establish and maintain good communications with each of their children. They are in the best position to make the ultimate moral decisions as to the welfare and well-being of their offspring." End quote. Brene Brown, who is the author of Daring Greatly, How the Courage to be Vulnerable Transforms the Way We Live, Love, Parent, and Lead, has shared what she calls the Wholehearted Parenting Manifesto. I won't share the entire manifesto, but here are a few excerpts. Quote, Above all else, I want you to know, and, and this is a parent speaking to a child, I want you to know that you are loved and lovable. You will learn this from my words and actions. The lessons on love are in how I treat you and how I treat myself. I want you to engage with the world from a place of worthiness. You will learn that you are worthy of love, belonging, and joy every time you see me practice self-compassion and embrace my own imperfections. Together we will cry and face fear and grief. I will want to take away your pain, but instead I will sit with you and teach you how to feel it. We will laugh and sing and dance and create. We will always have permission to be ourselves with each other. No matter what, you will always belong here. I will not teach or love or show you anything perfectly, but I will let you see me, and I will always hold sacred the gift of seeing you, truly, deeply seeing you." End quote. I think there's power in allowing our children to know that we struggle with things in life, that just like them, we are striving to overcome the natural man, to overcome weak things in our lives with our Heavenly Father's and our Savior's help. Our children learn from our examples. I sometimes 
wonder, and, and this is only partly jokingly, I wonder if my kids hear anything that I say, but they sure remember what I do. And though it might be tough at times, I, I know that that's important. And so it, it's key for us to, to do, not just to say, but to do. The next quote is from Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who's the author of Flow, The Psychology of Optimal Experience. And, and flow, the best way that I can describe flow is when you're in the zone. And so his book is focused on talking about what people do to get in the zone. But he shared this about family. Quote, the family context promoting optimal experience could be described as having five characteristics. The first one is clarity. The teenagers feel that they know what their parents expect from them. Goals and feedback in the family interaction are unambiguous. The second is centering, or the children's perception that their parents are interested in what they are doing in the present, in their concrete feelings and experiences, rather than being preoccupied with whether they will be getting into a good college or obtaining a well-paying job. Next is the issue of choice. Children feel that they have a variety of possibilities from which to choose including that of breaking parental rules, as long as they are prepared to face the consequences. The fourth differentiating characteristic is commitment, or the trust that allows the child to feel comfortable enough to set aside the shield of his defenses and become unselfconsciously involved in whatever he is interested in. And finally, there is challenge or the parent's dedication to provide increasingly complex opportunities for action to their children. Children who grow up in family situations that facilitate clarity of goals, feedback, feeling of control, concentration on the task at hand, intrinsic motivation, and challenge will generally have a better chance to order their lives so as to make flow possible." End quote. A couple of things in that quote stand out to me. First, allowing our children to make choices. If we choose everything for them, they can't build that muscle, that decision-making muscle. And second, involving our children in hard things. It's so important for us to let our children do hard things. And this is something that, that I feel challenged by every day. It's very easy for me to step in and, and do something, whatever that something might be, to, to assist my child. And, and I'm not saying that we can't help our children, but there's power when we allow our children to struggle. And that's what our Heavenly Father does. He doesn't answer our prayers immediately. I guess he, he could, and, and sometimes prayer answers to prayers do come more quickly than at other times, but there's power in struggle. And honestly, I feel like that's what helps us become more like God and our Savior Jesus Christ, is that struggle. One final quote, and this is a quote about grandparenting. This is Stephen R. Covey. And this is his follow-up book to The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. This book was called The Eighth Habit, 
from effectiveness to greatness. He shared the following counsel, quote, simply put, at its most elemental and practical level, leadership is communicating to people their worth and potential so clearly that they come to see it in themselves. Think about this definition. Isn't this the essence of the kind of leadership that influences and truly endures? To communicate the worth and potential of others so clearly, so powerfully, and so consistently that they really come to see it in themselves is to set in motion the process of seeing, doing, and becoming. Leadership is communicating to people their worth and potential so clearly that they come to see it in themselves. What a way to think about and to define the irreplaceable role of grandparenting. The most essential role of grandparents is to communicate, in as many ways as possible, the worth and potential of their children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren clearly that they really believe it and act on that belief. If this spirit suffused our culture and society, the impact on the civilization of the world would be unimaginably magnificent and endless. End quote. Do our children know their potential? As I, and, and we'll dive into this as we get into these action items from Elder Uchtdorf's talk, but what's coming to me is the importance of making sure that our children know their potential. Each one of us can inherit eternal life. In the scriptures, one of the, the names of God is eternal. I believe that's in the book of Moses. And so I remember a seminary teacher substituting that word in there and saying, thus eternal life is God's life. We literally can become and do what God does. We can become joint heirs with our Savior, Jesus Christ. What an incredible opportunity for each one of us. And so I try to remember that when I'm in the heat of battle and I'm frustrated at, at what a young child is saying or doing. I try to remember, and I'm, I'm going to do better at this. I try to remember their potential, that this little human in front of me has eternal potential. Each one of us do. I testify of that. I sense that. I feel that. I believe that. In past weeks, we've discussed Pearson's Law and Sullivan's Law, where when we measure our progress, we improve. And when we measure and report our progress, we improve exponentially. If you have not yet enlisted the help of an accountability partner, I would invite you to do so. Because at the end of this episode, I would invite you to take action on one thing that you can do during this next week. I wanted to share as we get into these action items, and, and there are seven of them from Elder Uchtdorf's talk that I've identified. I want to share something that I learned in my reading this week. I just concluded Elder David A. Bednar's book, Increase in Learning, 
Spiritual Patterns for Obtaining Your Own Answers. I rated this book a 5 out of 5. It changed my paradigm. I will definitely read this book again. I would encourage anyone who's interested to, to check this book out as well. It's fantastic. In the book, Elder Bednar shared some counsel regarding doctrines, principles, and applications. Let me share this. He, he defines doctrines as eternal. They don't change. For example, the nature of the Godhead, the plan of happiness, the atonement of Jesus Christ. He says that gospel doctrines answer the question of why. He defines principles as subsets or components of broader gospel truths. Principles provide direction. Correct principles always are based upon and arise from doctrines, do not change, and answer the question of what. So, so for example, and in his book, he shares these, these figures that make it a little bit easier to understand. But for example, a doctrine might be the plan of salvation. And then principles associated with that doctrine might be obedience, service, progress, and become. Okay, so that's doctrines and principles. Third is applications. These are the actual behaviors, action steps, practices, or procedures by which gospel doctrines and principles are enacted in our lives. Applications answer the question of how. Many applications can grow out of and be associated with a single principle. So, for example, if a principle is, and, and we remember this from the fourth article of faith, the first principles and ordinances of the gospel are first faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's a principle, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Applications might be study the scriptures, pay tithes and offerings, partake worthily of the sacrament, attend church meetings, accept and magnify church callings. So applications are numerous. What uh, Elder Bednar shared, and this is what I want to share as we dive into this action item section. He, he shares that as he visits people around the world, he asks a question and he invites them to answer it quickly without contemplating or thinking about it. So here's the question. In your living of the gospel of Jesus Christ and in your serving and teaching, both at home and in the church, have you focused primarily on doctrines, on principles, or on applications? He says, I have asked this question of tens of thousands of members of the church, including priesthood and auxiliary leaders all over the world. The consistency of their answers is stunning. My posing of the question typically engenders a few moments of awkward silence, and then heads begin to nod, and with knowing smiles come the responses, nearly always, applications. It is interesting to me how reluctant members usually are to acknowledge the actual answer to this question, even though the answer almost always is recognized immediately. Now please ponder some additional questions. He says, why? 
Why do many members tend typically to focus on applications more than on doctrines and principles? Here is a sample of some of the answers I have received to this follow-up question. Focusing upon applications is easier. Applications are more tangible. I can control applications. I can accomplish things quicker by focusing on applications. My professional experience has taught me to get things done and make things happen, so I gravitate to applications. I am not comfortable teaching doctrine. And the last one, I do not know the doctrine well enough to teach it with confidence. This thought sparked some inspiration for me, and I want to share it with you now because, as you're aware, over these past few weeks in these, in these episodes, we've talked about action items. And this is items that the speaker is inviting us to do. What I've found, and, and what I found this week, where I took on that task of watching seven How I Hear Him videos, that is something good. I mean, it, it's, it's not a bad thing to watch testimonies of prophets and apostles. But as I, as I contemplated what my purpose was in doing that, I think it was more just to, to check the box that, okay, I, I committed to doing something, and so I, I've got to do it this week. And I don't want to be in that position that's more of an application approach. And there's, there's always going to be a checklist of items that, that I need to get to. So instead, I got to thinking, rather than, than adding something new, perhaps I can look through these action items and find things that I'm already doing that that I can just incorporate these action items. So, so here's an example. Last, one of the action items from episode five, which was President M. Russell Ballard's talk, Remember What Matters Most. The second action item, and, and this is the one that I took action on, said, those who feel something as a result of your testimony may then ask the Lord in prayer to confirm the truth of your testimony. And so I was going to listen to the testimonies of others and then pray to confirm the truth of their testimonies. But, but, but watching these videos was just one more thing to do. As I contemplated it, I thought, I'm already praying each day. I'm already striving to study the gospel each day. Why instead of going out and doing one more thing, perhaps President Ballard is inviting me to consider the way that I study the gospel. For example, if I'm reading in the Book of Mormon and the Book of Alma, and Alma is sharing his discourse on faith to the Zoramites, perhaps I could study those verses in chapters 32, 33, and Amulek in chapter 34 of Alma, and then pray to the Lord right there. Is, are the testimonies of these 
prophets of old, true. Is what they're speaking truth? See, so I was already studying the Book of Mormon. I was already praying, but I'm taking action on this action item just in kind of the normal course of things. Now, I'm not saying that, that adding something else is bad, but I guess I, I'm trying to find ways to, to make taking action on these items not one more thing on my to-do list, but just a normal and natural way to apply these ideas. So that's something that I will continue to pursue and obviously I'm not perfect. And so I look forward to making each of these episodes better and better as I organize my thoughts and as inspiration continues to come line, line upon line, precept upon precept. So continuing with this idea of doctrines, principles, and applications, I feel that our purpose here on earth is to ultimately become like our Heavenly Father and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our Savior is the perfect example. He is the embodiment of all that is good. He's left us His example. And so I shared in, in last week's episode about the Christ-like attribute activity from Preach My Gospel, Chapter 6. And in that attribute activity, there's the attributes, or for example, faith, hope, charity, and love, virtue, humility, knowledge, obedience. And then underneath each of those attributes are questions that we can answer if we are always doing that thing, never, or somewhere in between. And so as I share these action items below, I've also shared a question or a, a statement from that attribute activity. So one thing that you may consider going forward is if, if there's an attribute of our Savior Jesus Christ that you are trying to develop more than another. So for example, faith or charity and love, or knowledge, or obedience. I've identified an attribute that kind of goes along with these action items. And so you can utilize that in your, in your study. And, and if I don't get to all of these in the episode today, you can check those in the show notes. But here are the action items. Here's, let me share the first one. <clears throat> Elder Uchtdorf said, Accept this privilege and responsibility courageously and joyfully. Don't delegate this source of heavenly blessings to anyone else. Within the framework of gospel values and principles, you are the ones to guide your child in the details of daily decisions. Help your children build faith in Jesus Christ, love his gospel and his church, and prepare for a lifetime of righteous choices. End quote. A statement from the attribute activity, and this is the attribute faith. It states, I have faith that God will bring about good things in my life and the lives of others as we devote ourselves to him and his son. If that's something that you feel that you need to work on, then perhaps this is the action item for you. In the talk 
Elder Uchtdorf shared some powerful ideas of how we might take action and accept this privilege and responsibility courageously and joyfully, as he termed it. He talks about how gospel growth in the gospel doesn't come about all at once, but like a flower, you just nurture it and water it each day. And that's the same with helping our children develop a testimony. We love our children. We share the gospel in word and in deed. One home evening, one gospel conversation at a time. And over time, those things will add up. Another quote that I wanted to share, and this is a powerful quote, and came to me shortly before recording this podcast, and so I I feel that I should share it. This is author Greg McEwen in his book, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. McEwen shared, quote, As Peter Drucker said, in a few hundred years, when the history of our time will be written from a long-term perspective, it is likely that the most important event historians will see is not technology, not the internet, and not e-commerce. It is an unprecedented change in the human condition. For the first time, literally, substantial and rapidly growing numbers of people have choices. For the first time, they will have to manage themselves, and society is totally unprepared for it. McEwen continues, we are unprepared in part because, for the first time, the preponderance of choice has overwhelmed our ability to manage it. We have lost our ability to filter what is important and what isn't. Psychologists call this decision fatigue. The more choices we are forced to make, the more the quality of our decisions deteriorates. End quote. I think that's an interesting quote that the most important thing happening in the world today is the number of choices that we have. And the more choices we have and our children have, the more overwhelming life can become. And so this action item is an important reminder for us helping our children to build faith in Jesus Christ, love his gospel and his church, and preparing for a lifetime of righteous choices. The second action item, Elder Uchtdorf stated, seek his help, inquire of the Lord. An attribute of Jesus Christ, knowledge. Here's the statement from the attribute activity. I seek knowledge and guidance through the Spirit. In a January 1976 Enzyme article, Stephen R. and Sandra Covey shared the following, and this this article was entitled, Teaching Our Children to Pray. They said, We have concluded that it is supremely important to have both personal and husband-wife prayers before greeting the children in the morning. In those prayers, we seek to get our own spirits in tune with the Lord's Spirit, so that we are at peace within ourselves and between ourselves. Once we feel the Spirit, we then attempt to walk through our day in our mind's eye. We determine our attitudes and responses to unpleasant situations or a difficult child. To use computer language, we try to program ourselves with true principles and commitments while under the divine influence of the Holy Spirit." End quote. 
I'll discuss prayer more in, later in this episode, but are we seeking the Lord's help? Are our prayers repetitive and without feeling? Or do we truly desire to know what the Lord wants for us and for our children? The third action item I identified. Elder Uchtdorf states, Make your home a house of prayer, learning, and faith. A house of joyful experiences. A place of belonging. A house of God. And pray unto the Father with all the energy of heart, that you may be filled with his love which he bestows upon followers of his Son, Jesus Christ. End quote. The attribute I identified here is charity and love. The statement from the attribute activity is, When I pray, I ask for charity, the pure love of Christ. I heard a quote from this general conference address in a different podcast that I listened to this week, and I felt that I should share it here. Elder, and this is Elder Jeffrey R. Holland. It's from the April 2003 general conference in a talk entitled, A Prayer for the Children. Elder Holland stated, In this church, there is an enormous amount of room and scriptural commandment for studying and learning, for comparing and considering, for discussion and awaiting further revelation. We all learn line upon line, precept upon precept, with the goal being authentic religious faith informing genuine Christ-like living. In this, there is no place for coercion or manipulation, no place for intimidation or hypocrisy. But no child in this church should be left with uncertainty about his or her parents' devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ, the restoration of his church, and the reality of living prophets and apostles who, now as in earlier days, lead that church according to the will of the Lord, the mind of the Lord, the word of the Lord, and the power of God unto salvation. In such basic matters of faith, prophets do not apologize for requesting unity, indeed conformity, in the eloquent sense that the prophet Joseph Smith used that latter word. In any case, as Elder Neil Maxwell once said to me in a hallway conversation, there didn't seem to be any problem with conformity the day the Red Sea opened. Parents simply cannot flirt with skepticism or cynicism, then be surprised when their children expand that flirtation into full-blown romance. If in matters of faith and belief, children are at risk of being swept downstream by this intellectual current or that cultural rapid, we as their parents must be more certain than ever to hold to anchored, unmistakable moorings clearly recognizable to those of our own household. It won't help anyone if we go over the edge with them, explaining through the roar of the falls all the way down that we really did know the church was true and that the keys of the priesthood really were lodged there, but we just didn't want to stifle anyone's freedom to think otherwise. No, we can hardly expect the children to get to shore safely if the parents don't seem to know where to anchor their own boat. End quote. That's a powerful quote and a reminder to me that our children are watching us. And if we choose to be lax in our observance of the gospel, the likelihood that the laxness of our children's observance of the gospel exceeds ours 
increases. A fourth action item I identified. Elder Uchtdorf stated, I invite you to accept God's offer to guide your family by personal revelation. Seek his guidance in your prayers. End quote. A Christ-like attribute I identified, knowledge. The statement, I seek knowledge and guidance through the Spirit. I think that the quote that I shared earlier from Stephen and Sandra Covey fits here. I also wanted to share, and, and this is from a recent BYU speech. I listened to the current BYU speeches podcast, and it's basically just the BYU devotional for the week shared on the podcast. But this was Elder Del, Del G. Renland of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. On August 22, 2023, he gave a talk entitled, Observation, Reason, Faith, and Revelation. This speech was fantastic, and there are so many, so many things that I want to go back and study in this, in this talk, but what I'm going to share here was approximately 32 minutes into the speech, Elder Renlund shared his thoughts on not repeatedly asking the same question to Heavenly Father. And as a parent, I feel like I do this, right? There, there's something that I want my children to do, and so I'm just going to ask it repeatedly. And, and this is what Elder Renlund said. He said, understanding and formulating questions from multiple angles is not the same as repeatedly asking God the identical question. Doing so is unwise, as Joseph Smith learned in the episode with Martin Harris in the 116 manuscript pages. Elder Renlund continues by sharing what he thinks could have happened had they instead changed the question. I mean, obviously the question Joseph Smith asked three or four times was, can Martin take the manuscript? Can he take the manuscript? But Elder Renlund said, what if instead Joseph and Martin had prayed and said, Heavenly Father, we have a problem here. Martin Harris is instrumental to making sure that the Book of Mormon is published to the world. And He's not receiving the support that he needs in his home. What can we do here? Is there another way? And, and that, I think, is a powerful idea for us to, to get out of the rut of asking for the same things over and over, but to reframe our question. And as we reframe our question, basically what Elder Renlund is sharing, inspiration comes differently perhaps a different word or a different idea will come to us. This is something that I'm going to continue to pursue to, to figure out how I can implement this more in my life. The fifth action item I identified, Elder Uchtdorf stated, read for the strength of youth, a guide for making choices with your children. Let them talk about it. Help them to have these eternal and divine truths guide their choices. A Christ-like attribute I identified was obedience, and the statement, I strive to live in accordance with the laws and principles of the gospel. In the introduction to the new For the Strength of Youth, A Guide for Making Choices, the First Presidency stated the following, This guide will help you build a solid foundation for making choices to stay on the covenant path. It will help you prepare to make sacred covenants in the temple, prepare to serve a mission, 
and find joy in following Jesus Christ throughout your life. We hope you feel that you belong in the Savior's church and have power from him to fulfill his purposes for you. End quote. The sixth action item. Elder Uchtdorf stated, I invite young single adults to join these FSY conferences as mentors and counselors. I invite parents to build on the spiritual momentum their youth bring home from FSY conferences. End quote. The Christ-like attribute I identified is charity and love. And the statement, I look for opportunities to serve others. I wanted to share a quote, and this is from President Stephen J. Lund, who is the General Young Men's President, that he shared in his October 2022 General Conference address entitled Lasting Discipleship. He shared that he and his wife were recently on a, in a, an airport in the Netherlands connecting to go elsewhere. And while they were in the airport, they ran into a missionary who was heading home. And this is what he said. I was abruptly brought back to the present by a living, breathing missionary who was boarding a plane home. He introduced himself and asked, President Lund, what do I do now? What do I do to remain strong? Well, this is the same question that is on the minds of our youth when they leave FSY conferences, youth camps, and temple trips. And anytime they feel the powers of heaven, how can loving God turn into lasting discipleship? President Lund continues, I felt an upwelling of love for this clear-eyed missionary serving the last hours of his mission. And in that momentary stillness of the spirit, I heard my voice crack as I said simply, you don't have to wear the badge to bear his name. I wanted to put my hands on his shoulders and say, here's what you do. You go home and you just be this. You are so good you almost glow in the dark. Your mission, discipline, and sacrifices have made you a magnificent, magnificent son of God. Keep doing at home what has worked so powerfully for you here. You have learned to pray and to whom you pray in the language of prayer. You have studied his words and come to love the Savior by trying to be like him. You have loved Heavenly Father like he loved his Father, served others like he served others, and lived the commandments like he lived them. And when you didn't, you have repented. Your discipleship isn't just a slogan on a t-shirt. It has become a part of your life, purposely lived for others. So you go home and you do that. Be that. Carry this spiritual momentum into the rest of your life. End quote. These FSY conferences, based on everything that I've heard, are powerful. And what an opportunity for return missionaries these young single adults, to participate in these conferences, to continue that spiritual momentum that they experienced as full-time missionaries. The final action item, the seventh, Elder Uchtdorf stated, what you can and must do for the rising generation is provide rich, nourishing soil with access to flowing heavenly water. Remove weeds and anything they would block heavenly sunlight. Create the best possible conditions for growth. Patiently allow the rising generation to make inspired choices and let God work his miracle. End quote. The Christ-like attribute I identified here is patience. 
and the statement, I am patient with others. I think the quote that I shared earlier by Elder Holland fits here. Once again, this talk had lots of action items. I don't feel that we need to take on all of these action items this week, this very moment. I do feel that there are ways that we can incorporate these action items into what we're already doing. If we're already studying the gospel individually and as a family, then we can implement, implement these ideas in there. If we're already praying morning and night, these action items are, are just ways to amplify what we're already doing. The action item that I'm going to take action on this week is, and, and I love these words from President Bonnie H. Corden. She said, I will come eager to receive counsel from the Lord through prayer. I personally feel that my prayers have been very repetitive and without feeling of late. And so I'm going to change that this week. What I'll leave you with today and I would invite you to go to the show notes. Elder Uchtdorf shared, in addition to those seven action items, he shared seven promises. Here's a sampling. He, one of his promises was, well, here was the action. He says, what work could be greater than helping God's precious children learn who they really are and build their faith in Jesus Christ, his gospel, and his church? And then the promise was, Jesus Christ will bless and magnify your consistent efforts. Here was another promise. So the action was, with God's help and the promise, you can learn to know your children in a pure and heavenly way. Last weekend, I experienced probably the greatest adult session of, of state conference of my life. Elder Ahmed Corbett was our visiting general authority, and he, he shared with us for an hour and a half, well, maybe not that long, an hour, of how believers in the Book of Mormon viewed promises. And so let me give you an example. In, in 1 Nephi chapter 2, the Lord promises Lehi that he and his family will obtain the promised land. In 1 Nephi chapter 5, Lehi states, I have obtained a land of promise in the which things I do rejoice. Now, 1 Nephi chapter 5, they've just gotten the plates from Laban. They haven't even gone back for Ishmael's family at this point. Lehi and his family are in the wilderness somewhere outside of Jerusalem in the Middle East. But what Elder Corbett was sharing with us is Lehi didn't say, I will obtain a land of promise and then I'll be happy. He's saying, I have obtained a land of promise in the which things I do rejoice. When the Lord promises, and he had promised Lehi, the land of promise, 
the Lord will deliver. When he promises, he will deliver. In Doctrine and Covenants section 82, verse 10, it states, I, the Lord, am bound when you do what I say, but when you do not what I say, ye have no promise. I've shared in the show notes some scripture passages of how, of how believers in the Book of Mormon, they would view the Lord's promises in the present, and they would experience the joy of those promises now. I would invite you to go through the promises that Elder Uchtdorf shared, and these are in my show notes. Go through the promise and take comfort and experience joy now and believe now that what the Lord has promised through one of his prophets, seers, and revelators, what he has promised, he will deliver. If you want to develop a better relationship with your children, I know that I do, that promise, you can learn to know your children in a pure and heavenly way. Another promise, he will make weak things become strong. There are so many wonderful promises in here, and I'm, I'm still working on achieving this, this faith that Lehi demonstrated, that I don't have to wonder, well, will Will I be able to know my children in a pure and heavenly way? The Lord has promised that I can. I accept that promise now. I exercise faith and believe that as I move forward and do the best that I can, that relationship with my children will develop. I have faith in that. This is obviously something that we will be pursuing more in future episodes as well. This, this talk was jam-packed full of, of action, of promises. It was powerful. This was a powerful address. It was obviously a follow-up to his October 2022 General Conference address entitled, Jesus Christ is the Strength of Youth. I testify that Elder Uchtdorf is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, that what he has shared here is, is for us. This is what the Lord wanted us to hear at this time. As a parent, I take comfort in the promises and the blessings that, that the Lord wants me to have, wants you to have. I testify that this is the Lord's church, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I look forward to, to sharing more with you each week. Thank you for joining me in this journey. Have an awesome week, and I look forward to speaking with you soon.